Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Tuesday. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. We've got a studio full of people here now this afternoon. We're going to speak to a young fella who's certainly going places. I remember interviewing him a while back when he was starting his journey as we know, as a boxer that certainly has caught the imagination of a lot of people. And I remember speaking to Danny Green, actually, a little while back, who uh, saw this young fella fight and thought that this guy has got uh, basically his career in his hand. He could go places and was very impressed. We're talking about Alex Winwood. He is now the WBC number two ranked uh, straw weight boxer in the world. Alex, welcome to the program. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having us on, eh? Just nice and close to the microphone, just like you're kissing your favourite person, okay? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Tolls also joins us. He's the manager, the promoter of Alex. Good to see you. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us on, mate. You've been involved in the caper a long time, haven't you? Yeah, over 20 years now. Yeah, what got you interested in this caper? Um, I just loved it from a young age and... Um, yeah, it's just been a big journey since. Yeah, and the other gentleman that's in the studio is the media commentator. He's involved in a lot of the MMAs, uh, mixed martial arts and boxing. Is uh, They call him the media man when it comes to this type of sport in Brett Bonetti. Brett, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Peter. Pleasure to be here. I tell you what, two yeah, there's no one that's more excited about this young gentleman's career. You followed it from the from the start and you've been talking to me off air about where this journey could possibly end up. Yes, certainly have. I've actually had the pleasure. Uh, Alex is 3-0 and in his professional's career at the moment. I've had the pleasure of calling each of those fights. And after the, the first fight, I went up to his, uh, his great trainer, one of the best trainers in the world, actually, and Angelo Hyder. I said, Angelo, you've got, you got a special talent here. And uh, he agreed, and he said, yeah, this kid... He punches so hard for his size, and I think he's going to go places. I think he's going to be a world champion. So, uh, been excited ever since, and it's again, it's been a pleasure to uh, to call these professional fights so far. And we've got uh, his fourth professional fight on Friday night at Thunderdome 44, which I'm very much looking forward to calling as well. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. And we'll talk more about that maybe in our second segment. Alex, let's find out a bit about yourself. Uh, you basically grew up what in the Mandurah region. Yeah, definitely. Tell us um, about your early days of growing up. Yeah, pretty much. I moved to Mandurah when I was 10 years old and uh, only just moved out of there at, I think I was 25. Uh, right. Relocated to the east. But um, yeah, that's where I found my love for sport, really. Back. So in what other sports were you interested in, apart from boxing, which now, of course, you're making your name in? I was going to be a ruckman in the AFL. <laughs> no, I don't think so. How tall are you, Alex? I'm five foot two. And I'll tell you what, he's got the youthful looks. He asked me before we started, how old do you think I am? And I had my notes in front of me, and I said, maybe 19. He says, I'm 26. How do you keep your youthful looks? And don't you want to... This face of yours, you don't want it punched up or disformed, do you? No, definitely not. That's why I try to avoid the punches as much as possible. Yeah. Today. <laughs> so saying that, you know, which other sports were you interested in growing up in Manji? Yeah, so AFL was love of my life. Did you go okay in AFL? I thought I did all right. If if I grew, a, you know, another foot, I think I might have made the big time. But, um, yeah, it just didn't pan out like that. And everyone told me I'd be a jockey, but uh, <laughs> that also didn't happen. And um, boxing started calling and, um, yeah, just found my pathway at a late age, 16. And 
Um, yeah, it's just... You're a proud Noongar man. So when you look at uh, some of the uh, icons of the Noongar community, who do you look up to? Because you said you followed uh, uh, AFL, Aussie Rules Football. There's been some great uh, products from your community play that sport. Yeah, exactly right. Like pretty much anyone who was anyone in the sporting world was was an AFL player and, and, and a black fella and to, to grow up watching them all. And um, my uncle is Stephen Michael. So He's your uncle. He is. And, um, One of the most most beautiful men that I've ever met. And he's always happy to take your call. It's a pity you didn't see him play. Yeah, I know. Like, and you would have heard stories about him playing. Mate, I've, I've heard he's the best player that never got to play. In correct. The, correct. Yeah, the Victorian League. So that, that says things in. Mate, in he was an amazing footballer. And I gather when you say it, like you've just said to yep. me that you're related. Stephen's your uncle. Uh, some of the stories. He was just a, an enormous player. Saying that, uh, I think he still lives in Collie, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Down that way. And I was talking to him a little while back, and he was involved in coaching, I think, his granddaughter, who was playing uh, Australian rules football down there. He still loves being involved, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a big, um, you know, icon in, in the community, and, and he does great things. So, Because we've got um, the Stephen Michael Foundation as well. Do you know much about that at all? No, I, I wasn't involved in that. Um, so, but... Uh, for him to have his own foundation and be doing what he's doing in the community is just unreal. Tell us about Brian Bennell, uh, who I believe you're connected with in your family as well. Yeah, my, my nan's um, cousin, and um, he, by all accounts that, that I was told, um, was a great boxer and um, ended up fighting a lot of uh, domestic fights and a couple of internationals. So once I kind of got into boxing, everyone, like, all, all the old timers and, and my nan's manis and my uncles are like, oh, you know, you come from boxing. But before I ever picked up the gloves, I, I'd never heard a peep about it, eh? So, um, yeah, there was a, a lot of stories that came through. And um, even my mother's father, uh, Primus Hugel, he, he told me about all his uh, tent boxing days with him and his cousins and that there. And I was like, far out. That, that would have been a, a great time um, mm in the area of boxing. So. so you had boxing as a sport around you, just a matter of whether you wanted to step in and take it on board. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, in, in a way, once I did get in there, then people started uh, sharing their yarns. If not, it was just about football. And mm. like every Noongar is just like born and bred into, into AFL. So um, yeah, it wasn't until I stepped into the ring that I started to find out all this and um, yeah, all my ties to it. Brett mentioned Angelo Hyder, who's uh, been involved, as we know, with Danny Green and, and being one of the real icons of the uh, sport of boxing. Uh, tell us about uh, his involvement with you and how you connected with him. Yeah, so I met H, um, as we call him, uh, probably five years ago. I wanted to go spar the Maloney boys, and um, I knew that they were over on the, on the East Coast. So I messaged them on Instagram and got over there, me and, me and my amateur coach at the time, and we spent... Uh, good part of a week over there and um, obviously got to meet Angelo for the first time and pretty much he started to ask my coach, oh, are you thinking about turning this kid pro? And I was only 19 at the time and um, Brian Satori, my amateur coach, said, oh, he's got ambitions to go to Olympics, so that's kind of all we're worrying about at the moment. And Angelo put the feelers out there and said, mate, if you ever want to turn him pro, like give me a yell if you don't want to do it and um, – my coach just started retire retirement, so he never wanted to go anywhere past amateurs. So once I did make it aware that 
pretty much that I, I wanted to be a professional only a couple of years ago. Um, I made it very well aware that I wanted to go to H and um, train under him because I knew what he's done with, with mm. the Maloney's and other mm. products of Boxing Australia. By the way, Brett, where's the Maloney's at at the moment? Of course, we had that controversy. What was it, about 12 months ago? Well, the best person to ask about that is their manager, Tony Tolls. So, uh, so yeah, he's So, he's where are they tight. at, uh, Tony? Uh, Andrew's fighting uh, on the 9th of December at um, in Melbourne. He's fighting uh, Judy Florius, who's mm. the number 15 in the WBA and the WBO, and it's for the WBO global title. Right. So, uh, and Andrew's uh, number nine himself, so it's going to be nine versus 15. So we're looking to get him uh, catapulted back into title contention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Jason is fighting on the 13th of January on uh, in Canada, in Quebec City. He's defending his world title against uh, Saul Sanchez. And that's part of a uh, doubleheader with uh, Artur Beterbiev, who's defending three out of the four uh, world uh, light heavyweight titles. So that's, that's a massive show. So that's uh, what they've got in store. So, Tony, how many people do you look after? Who, how many boxers do you manage? I know you've certainly got the stable here in Western Australia. Is that where you've concentrated on? Yeah, that's right. I, I, look, I manage uh, Alex, the, the two Maloney brothers, uh, Bruno Taremo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a Chilean boxer, Andreas Campos, as well. He's uh, in the top 15 in the sanctioning bodies as well. And uh, got some other young and up-and-coming fighters, but that's the... Uh, predominant um, stars of where they're at at the moment. Good stuff. We're going to take a break because on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about this big event on Friday. How are you feeling about it, Alex? Very confident, mate. Very confident. I like the talk. I like the talk to Alex. uh, As we mentioned, it's a big event on Friday night. You win that. And what is the next step? The next step is a world title eliminator, Uh, hopefully early next year. So pretty much the winner out of that is a mandatory fight for a world title. Um, later in the year. So, yeah, pretty much can't drop the ball now and th- there's a clear path to, to a world title and, um, yeah, Friday night starts them up. Amazing. So, Tony, did you expect him to get, get to this level so quickly? Um, in, in seeing him in uh, preparation and training, I actually did and that's why we... Uh... So you're not surprised that he, he could be fighting for a world title, what, in a couple of fights' time? Uh, from when, when I first saw him, I actually could see it. But um, every ex- expectation that I did, did have, he uh, superseded that as well. So let me ask you this. What differentiates Alex from maybe some of the other fighters you've managed? Um, just raw natural talent, uh, power. And he's got power in a, in a division where there's not that much uh, other guys that have got power. He's like a, a mixture of uh, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson all amalgamated into one. Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. That's a big rap. Now, Brett, you've called Alex and you've seen many a boxer in your time. What excites you about this young fella? Well, again, uh, Tony just said it uh, best, as, uh, best himself, obviously, the mix of power. Uh, he's got speed, uh, the footwork, the head, your head movement is fantastic. Uh, when I saw him beat uh, Thibaut Montebessa, again, he's coming in, Alex is coming in with uh, one fight under his belt and coming up against the number 10 ranked guy in the world. He's come in... Not fighting any tomato cans is a term of fighting uh, these these guys that he's, he's expected to beat. He's coming up against these you know talented fighters, and he in his last fight against uh, Gutierrez as well, yeah, you know, undefeated fighter. Uh, I think he was number five in the world, I believe. Yeah, number five in the mm, WBC. Yeah, right. And uh, put him down in that fight, 
And and he got the experience in that fight. Went went the ten rounds and and got a, a really good, healthy decision. And thought, wow, special generational talent. So this we talk about generational mm. talent. You know they've been talking about Harley Reid, who's ended up at the West Coast Eagles, a generational talent. It's been used all week. You're saying this young fella could be just that in boxing. Exactly. And Alex just said it. The path is now set. When we were talking about Alex, you know, earlier on in the year, this is what we want to do. Now the path is set. He wins on Friday night. He gets that world title eliminator. He wins that, gets a world title shot. There's a record for the beckoning. He'll get there in six fights when Jeff Fennick did it in seven. So it's it's there for the taking. Now you've put together a lot of big events, Tony. Yep. How significant is this one on Friday night and how big is it? It's massive. This is uh, the last step uh, for Alex before he fights uh, in a final eliminator. So that final eliminator means that he's guaranteed to fight. The winner of that fight will fight the world champion. And just going back to what Brett said as well, that Thibaut Monobesa in his second fight, that was he was a former world champion. And I was doing the negotiations with the WBC as well for that championship. And they said, Alex is, is not that experienced. Uh, 10 rounds is a lot to have in his uh, second fight. And we've seen it many times and people don't live up to their expectations and we told the WBC, trust us, back us, don't worry about the 10 rounds because it won't even go the distance. And Alex stopped him in four rounds. Wow. Amazing. Alex, it hasn't come easy, has it, really? Okay, you're 26 years of age. There's been some trials and tribulations. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I had an extended amateur career and uh, went to two world championships representing Australia. Went to an Olympic Games and a Commonwealth Games and... uh, all experiences, you know, have, have led me to here and, uh, my, my Olympics, you know, it was, it was the COVID Olympics. It was mm. a bit of a down 2020. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the Olympics that I trained five years to, to go and, and do. And, um, for me not to, to get the head nod, uh, I was, I was a bit disheartened in myself. So got back and on the horse and went into the Commonwealth games year after and, and represented Australia again. And, uh, yeah, had a pretty controversial call against me, um, in a semi-final to, to get a, to get a medal, um, where the referee waved it off probably mm. a lot, lot more earlier than she, uh, really should have. Um, so. So you were gutted after that, were you? Oh yeah, man. And how long did you hang on to that disappointment? Uh, good part of a month. I, I questioned myself in boxing and. So you actually questioned yourself after that? Yeah, it was more so that. I knew that I gave everything to the sport and the sport's very unforgiving. There's no one there to, you know, apologize for, for bad decisions or anything like that. Once a decision's called, they're never going to overturn it. Mm. And and I know that better than anyone. So, um, pretty much had a word with my coach and I was like, look, mate, I don't know if my heart's in it. And he said, look, we make our own destiny. You come home, we'll get back to training and, and we'll do this, mate. We'll don't worry about the amateurs. We're going to the professionals and you're going to be a world champion. And, mm. you know, he'd, the day he said that to me, it gave me that, you know, fire in the belly. And a year later now, we're number two in the world and knocking on the door for a world title. Unbelievable. So, Tony, when you look at that, that experience that Alex had, how much is it at the beck and call of those judges? That sometimes, like any officials, can make bad decisions that could, t- could dictate an individual's career. Oh, it's devastating. And I've seen it many a time and it just, it can break people. And they've got that power in their hands. And that wasn't even the judges. That was the referee that uh, didn't deserve to be in that position at all. Mm. It was completely ridiculous. It was disgraceful. Does it happen often? 
not not that often. Too much, too much in the Olympics and Commonwealth Games for my likings. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Why? Corruption. Is there any reason? It's a it's a it's a mix of corruption and incompetence. What, if you ask in me, in Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games. Yeah, in the uh, amateur that's, sport. That's a, again, it's an opinion, but we've been seeing it for years. I mean, you have to go back to uh, to Roy Jones Jr. I mean, that was the that was the most disgraceful judging corruption decision we've ever seen, and it's been happening for many years ever since. Mm. Uh, we saw it at Mickey Conlon in the Olympics as well, but then we saw it in Alex at the Commonwealth Games. That was he was very kind on his comments just then, but that was a disgraceful, disgraceful performance from that referee, and she mm. should she should never referee ever again. Well, you sound like a media commentator, Brett. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You've got your opinion, Alex. Um, Danny Green certainly put you up there. Uh, he was quite excited with what he saw when he – I think he may have saw you a few months ago here at uh, Metro's. Uh, have you spoken to anybody uh, like Danny and has he confided in you about, you know, mental state of mind and how to prepare for something like this? Yeah, mate. He's been a bloody gentleman about how, mm-hmm. how he goes about um, giving me the, the one percenters that, that he picked up in his – So what career. are those one percenters, Alex? What, like what? What – uh, we know you've got the ability, you've, you're a gifted athlete. What are the little one percenters? Is it more uh, state of mind? Yeah, definitely. Like I remember the first time he was in my change room and I was sitting there and um, just trying to kind of work up the energy and he just said, um, son, that's what he loves to call me. <laughs> he goes, son, uh, take a breath, enjoy it. And just things like that, you know, it comes from experience to say, enjoy this moment because this is what you actually put 12 weeks in for. You didn't put 12 weeks in to go out and have the win. It's like the whole process. It's walking out, going with your, your crew, you get into the ring, putting your gloves on. Um, and yeah, he just in the corner, uh, when he works, he, he brings that calm and, and all his experience there. And he touches my belly and says, suck, suck a big one in. And, Reminds me to have a breath, and I'm like <laughs> thinking, "Oh, thanks, mate. I really appreciate that. I kind of forgot about it." But um, nah, he's he's been an absolutely genuine bloke, and couldn't have had anyone else better in my corner as well. Let's look about Friday night. Tell us about your opponent, Filipino Chris Ganoza. Do you know much about him? Yeah, so he's a southpaw, and um, he actually recently last year fought the current world champion. So uh, he got stopped in the fourth round by him, and um. It's kind of a good gauge to see where we are at, at in my mm. career. He's been in there with the best. He's only had five losses out of 25 fights. So he's he knows how to get around the ring. And mm. he's coming off a TKO win. So mm. I think he's got that bit of fire in his belly that he, he wants to prove himself. And now he's fighting the world number two. And I think he thinks he can get back up in the rankings. Tony, a couple of questions. Is yeah. Alex's biggest test? Yes, it is. And at the moment, I feel like uh, Frankenstein creating the monster. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to fight Ganoza Friday. He's a a southpaw and he's he's about 5'2". And uh, the number one in the uh, division, the uh, Soto, who's a Mexican, Mm -hmm. he's uh, 5'2 and a southpaw. The champion in the WBC is 5'2 and a southpaw. And also uh, IBF champion, 5'2, southpaw. Wow. WBO champion, 5-2, Southpaw. So, and the uh, WBA's got a super champion and a regular champion and one of those 5-2 and a Southpaw. So this is the ultimate litmus test uh, for Alex and those rounds are just going to be so invaluable for his career progression. Brett, what do you expect to be calling on Friday night? How do you see it? Well, this is an interesting thing because, again, 
I'm supporting Alex, but I'm calling the fight. So yeah. I, I'll be calling it uh, fair and square and, and neutral. We've seen that in many times, uh, obviously, when Tim Zoo fights, for example. You know, Ben Damon and the boys, they'll be supporting Zoo, but they're calling it uh, fair and square. I'll be doing the same. But uh, very, very exciting fight we've got uh, in store on Friday night. Big main event. And uh, and the path is set. So, uh, so I'm expecting big things from this young man. Uh, and, yeah, I can't wait to call the fight. You look pretty relaxed, Alex, as we let you go. Uh, it is a Tuesday afternoon. The event is on Friday night. How will you spend the next couple of days getting ready for the fight? Yeah, pretty much just priming myself for, for Friday, and we've got the weigh-in Thursday night. So um, as a boxer, that, that's a pretty important part. You know, if you've got, you've got to win the scales first and then win on the night. So, um, yeah, just get get the weight right and um, – just get the mind right too. Mm. When did the opponent arrive, Tony? Do you know how long he's been here? He'll be here in about 45 minutes. Okay, <laughs> so he's on his way. Yeah. Uh, good luck, Alex. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, uh, and we'll follow it very, very closely here at SENWA. We're very excited because uh, we've got something special here. Uh, Tony, definitely. we have got something special, haven't we? We definitely have. And people that may not follow boxing, I tell you what they do love, Australians, champions. Yeah, that's and there's right. a champ, we could be saluting a, a champion maybe not too distant future. 100%. And Brett, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure, Peter. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Alex. Thank, Thank you, so much. This has been Sports Day WA. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Paul Heath and also uh, our panel up Bryant. Uh, I'm off, actually, on holidays from tomorrow, and Paul will be conducting Sports Day WA. Thanks, fellas. Uh, have a good night, everyone.